If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is Thomas Barda, author of The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader. Not a marketing book, but a leadership book for marketers. And you are listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing. And don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Also, if you're listening to the show right now, and you're not driving or operating dangerous machinery, please hop on Twitter and tell us where in the world you're listening from. My Twitter handle is Marketing Book. Today, we're joined by Thomas Barta, and we're going to talk about the book he has co-authored with Patrick Barwise, The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader, How to Succeed by Building Customer and Company Value. Thomas Barta speaks, writes, and consults to leaders on achieving organizational growth. He has consulted and marketed for over 20 years in 14 industries in 45 countries. And his clients include many of the world's most prominent companies, including over two dozen from the Fortune 500. After a marketing career at Kimberly Clark, Thomas joined McKinsey to help CEOs deliver profitable growth in a bigger way. And as dean of the firm's highest-rated internal program, he trained over 1,000 McKinsey leaders on driving change without authority. Very important, as we're going to talk about in this interview. Thomas's leadership research includes one of the world's largest studies with over 68,000 executive assessments on what makes for an impactful marketing executive. And interesting fact, he lives in Cologne, Germany. Thomas, congratulations on the 12 powers of a marketing leader and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Douglas, and thanks for having me. For a variety of reasons, it's exciting to have you on the show. You are the first guest from Germany on the show. And I lived in Germany for three years, and I visited Cologne, and it was an experience I'll never forget, the, the cathedral and the history of the city and... but. In particular, the, the Ludwig Museum, which is right by the cathedral, which is just a fantastic museum of modern art. And it, it has one of the largest Picasso collections. And it also had a lot of Andy Warhol and Roy Lichtenstein, who's one of my favorites. Yeah, the Ludwig Museum. I've been there. And you're right. Cologne is the, it's, it's kind of Germany's West Coast. It's the place where people, take a lot of care when it comes to lifestyle, to art, to culture. You know, it's a very um, relaxed place. We're going to do the interview in English, though, not in German. That's disappointing. Well, it is a favor. It's a community service to my listeners in Germany that I don't do it in German (laughs) because I never studied German, but I learned as much as I could while I was there and learned a lot of conversational German, and I've forgotten a lot of it. But the one thing that improved my German was I spoke German better if I was drinking German beer. 
<laughs> Just a little you know, recommendation for all you students that are studying German out there. Actually, in truth, it didn't improve my German, but it did improve my perception of my German. So, and I'm sure you had more fun. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let me just start with one excerpt from the book, and we'll go from there. And this is from just page two. Leading marketing isn't just about serving the customer. It's also about increasing and using your knowledge and marketing's influence inside the organization to improve the end-to-end customer experience. It's about mobilizing your boss, your colleagues, your team, and yourself to maximize the overlap between customers' needs and the company's needs. That, then, is what this book will teach you. This isn't a marketing book. It's a leadership book for marketers. You have an important choice to make. You can choose to continue as just a technical marketer. Thanks to digital, you shouldn't get bored. There will always be interesting new things happening. But you're unlikely to create significant impact for the company. You may even end up frustrated by your limited career success. This book offers you a more ambitious alternative almost certainly better for both the company and yourself. Use your leadership ability and the new digital opportunities to achieve what few firms do really well, connect customers and the company. So, Thomas, this book, of course, as you can imagine, I get to read a lot of really great marketing and sales books. This book reminded me a bit of the CEB books, formerly known as Corporate Executive Board, Challenger Sale and Challenger Customer, in that they were both based on a lot of research. And I was wondering if you could describe quickly, you know, the the extensive research that was done for the book and explain why what you found completely changed your view on what it takes for marketers to make it these days. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the summary. And I think you're right. But this book is indeed a leadership book. It's not a marketing book. And uh, here's, let me start with an important fact. Over 70% of marketers believe they have really high business impact, but under 50% believe they have a great career. So there is a significant mismatch here in the marketing world between what we're doing and how successful we are. And I, I learned this the hard way when I was a marketer. I, As I said, I led marketing at Kimberly Clark. It's a consumer goods company. And even there, I felt, you know, the finance people were sometimes calling the shots or other people. And I felt, damn it, you know, we have to step up as marketers. And The reason I was attracted to work at McKinsey, I felt, you know, that allows me to work with the CEO and CEOs and tell them how it works. And that's only when I figured out that CEOs kind of know how marketing works, but perhaps the marketers aren't the most effective people in connecting. And at that time, I had this idea of launching a seminar, a McKinsey seminar for CMOs to learn what we teach people in McKinsey, how you influence right without having authority because as a consultant you have your paper and your voice that's it and then we did research and we said okay let's look at the best insights on leadership and marketing and the team came back after two weeks and said there isn't any there is no research there are no books nobody's teaching marketers how to actually succeed and that got me really excited excited enough to quit mckinsey and start the research going to share so when we looked at this, I, I worked with uh, experts from INSEAD Business School, a very, very known business school specifically for leadership. And they said, you know, if you really want to understand how marketers are effective, we need a large sample. You need at least a thousand chief marketing officers to really look at their leadership and all their behavior. So off I went. And we indeed, we recruited over 1,200 chief marketing officers from around the globe. 
and looked at their leadership, their personalities, their skills, and to, to really have a proper perspective on how successful they are and why. And that wasn't enough because then I got really lucky because INSEAD has a huge database with over 100,000 360-degree assessments. And we pulled out the ones that were relevant. And so we could look at what marketers' bosses were saying, what marketers' peers were saying, what marketers' teams were saying. So we, like had, we had a really 360-degree on how the highest impact can be generated in an organization as a marketer. And that ended up as being the largest study that was ever undertaken on leadership and marketing. And there were a lot of disconnects between, well, you started to touch on there about the perception of what the C-suite thinks of marketers and how marketers think they're doing. And can you talk a bit about that, yeah. the, the disconnect there? Yes. So one of the big learnings, which, by the way, resonated a lot with me as a marketer, is that marketing is a very tricky role. And the research really bears this out because all marketers are facing three different, three gaps that are creating the disconnect you talk about. The first gap is a trust gap. So most of what you do as a marketer is about the future, future revenue, future profit, future customer behavior. And how reliable can you be when you say to someone, well, I know the future, right? I know what's going to happen. Well, if you stand next to someone from finance, you'll be less reliable. It's a matter of fact. And that's why it's always harder to trust you as a marketer. Marketers are facing a trust gap, and that creates the first dissonance. The second is a power gap. Just imagine the best, the nicest customer experience you can imagine. How many people in your company or in the company need to join in to make that happen? Many. And how many of those people report into marketing? Hardly any. Very, very <laughs> few, right? So this is a huge, these people can just turn their back on you and say, go away. And so there's a huge power gap. And thirdly, just think about marketing skills. They're exploding currently in 2016. There are now 3,900 digital marketing solutions on the market. This is 90%, just over 90% more than last year. So this is crazy. And so there is a huge skills gap. Now, if you think about the position that you have here, a very difficult role, future looking, not in power, huge skills challenges. Of course, there are lots of dissonances. And that's why we see, for example, that CEOs are saying, I'm not sure if my marketing guys are aligned with me, that people, other people are saying, you know, I'm not sure if marketing is really getting us. And that's why marketers are saying, over half of them, most people outside of marketing don't understand marketing. So th there are lots of disconnects which we need to reconnect to make the marketer successful. And the pathway or a central thesis of the book about one way to successfully do it is you talk about the marketer's power lying in the space where customer and company needs overlap. Think of a Venn diagram where the two circles are possibly connect. Can you explain the value creation zone, also known as the V-zone? The V-zone, yes, that's right. One of the very, very important findings is that when we ask marketers, Tell us your top three customer needs, the top three issues you're working on. Most marketers are very fast in explaining what those issues are. 
We have research on it. We talk to customers. We, most marketers know what's going on there. But then we say, hey, what are the top three things that are really on the mind of your CEO right now? What really matters in the C-suite? And then often we get this silence. And many marketers don't realize enough what's really hot within their company. What are the real issues? There was a great, great example. Worked with a group of uh, chief financial chief marketing officers from finance institutions recently in the US. And we had that debate and they were all very frustrated. And when we then realized that their V-zone, which is customer needs and company needs, don't overlap because their customers want different things from the brand. They want other connectivity. But on the mind of the CEOs, there is a lot of cost-saving uh, challenges, a lot of regulational questions. It's get very clear that the V-zone, the, the middle ground, wasn't that large. And it's very, very important that every marketer understands what's what matters for customers and what matters for the company and then tries to take these two circles, right, with the needs inside and try to push them together and see how much overlap can I create. And that means either educating the customer about products the company has or educating the company, the C-suite, about what really matters on the customer side. But that Zoom needs to be as large as possible. And if you fail to do this as a marketer, right, if you only look at customer needs, you typically get fired at one point because people think they don't care about company. Or if you only think about the company, of course, you won't have impact in the market. So that V-zone overlap of company, customer needs is crucial. And I'd just like to add one quote that actually made me laugh out loud. I mean, this is not a comedy book, but there was <laughs> this part made <laughs> me laugh. And it says, early in our study, we spoke with international CMOs about their work, asking, what do you do? It was interesting how different people answered. Some said things like, I manage the brand or I run our marketing. Words like these don't go down well with company leaders. In the words of marketing professor and columnist Mark Ritson, too many marketers go into a room full of executives from their company and warble on about the need to build brand awareness and brand equity. No one gives a shit except you, and presumably you are already on board. Good marketers work out how to link what they do with what other stakeholders within the organization want. Employee retention, improved profits, clearer leadership. And I should say the uh, four-letter word I just used was not actually in the book. You put an ampersand and a hashtag and a percentage sign, but I took some liberties there with your work. <laughs> yes, we were advised by the publisher, and they just told us people in the U.S. are very, very uh, sensitive to these things. But yeah, he did say fuck. <laughs> okay, thank you. No, but thank it's you. true. But, but hey, this is the reality. Yeah. yeah. The, the the situation I often had at my during my McKinsey times, I was sitting in these meetings, and the marketer was leaving the room, and people were rolling their eyes, and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's how the marketers are, right? And that should not happen. As a marketer, you are foremost a business leader, right? Your job is to drive revenue profits. And yes, you have some magical tools, you know, that's called segmentation and programmatic and all these great things. But it's not a language people in the C-suite understand or care to understand. It's like 
doing advertising, right, and talking to people in like segments and, you know, talking about, you know, we, we have a programmatic discussion with you, right? It's, you wouldn't say this to customers. So why say it in the C-suite? You got to learn the language of people that you work with that are not in marketing. Yes, absolutely. And I'm just going to quote one more and then I'll stop. Most successful marketers have a top management viewpoint. Rather than talking about marketing, they spoke of the business as a whole. They didn't talk a lot about advertising, branding, or customer insights. They spoke about revenue, costs, and profit, and see how they could serve the customer better. The real marketing leaders were concerned with one thing, how marketing helps the company achieve its biggest priorities. So for the uh, listener's benefit, you've broken the book down into four sections, and it goes through the 12 powers or superpowers, as I call them. Mobilize your boss, mobilize your colleagues, mobilize your team, and mobilize yourself. So the first chapter is, and the first power, is tackle only big issues. So explain what a big issue is and, and how to know it's a big issue. Yes. So the big issue connects right back to the V zone, the value creation zone we just spoke about earlier. Um, when you lead marketing in a company, you want to know what your customers want, but you want to have enough discussions with people that are leading the company in other areas to understand how this connects with the company needs. And it's very important that what you do makes sense and is relevant for the top company priorities. Give an example. If growth is the key challenge of your company, right? You got to make sure to explain the work, how the work you're doing is contributing to this, why you are a growth driver. If, if a company is in crisis, yeah, and basically it's short of cash and everybody's trying to survive and trying to keep the business afloat, right? It's important that you that you go back to the market saying, what can we do, right? How can we help and how can we be part of the big drive that's so important in our company? Marketers that don't do this don't work on big issues. And what's happening when you're not working on big issues? People at the top of the organization will simply ignore your work and cut your costs. Absolutely. Now, what I want to ask about, though, is, yes, the marketers clearly need to understand what their business is trying to accomplish. And I'll talk to marketers, and they're really, maybe it's at a smaller company, but they're just more focused on activity and doing what they think they ought to be doing. They they're still have very much the promotional mindset, as if that's really all that marketing should be doing. But what happens when you're, because I've spoken to marketers, and how can they find out better what the organization is trying to do? I have spoken to marketers who are at companies where they're saying, I can't discern what it is that they want to accomplish. I don't, we don't have any written goals, that type of thing. Well, you do something very, very complicated. Uh, you just have dinner or lunch with people and just ask. It's as, I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, look, if you are a marketer in an organization and you call people in finance, say it even the head of finance, or you call the head of your operations or and say, hey, can we just spend 25 minutes on, the key priorities at the moment because we're putting our plan together what's really crucial what's going on you will find that most of those leaders will be very happy to share what they think mm -hmm. we call that research in marketing right <laughs> and there's no there's no reason you can't do it internally actually it's really simple and you know what the only issue you'll have is the views you'll get will be will not be consistent right right well that's like with consumers right they'll not tell you one answer 
But you get very, it's so easy to get a very quick read. Read analyst reports. If you're a large company, you just read what the analysts are writing. If everyone talks about cash crisis, right? I mean, you know what's going on. So yes, you can find out. And typically what I find is when marketers put their mind to it, they find out really quickly what matters. Yes, and I think that they also can start to take on a leadership role. If those things aren't clearly articulated, they start to articulate them. One of the big takeaways from the book, though, was don't wait for somebody to tell you. Dang it, you got to go find out yourself. So your suggestion just to sit down or have lunch, go find out. Don't sit back waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. So another concept that I thought was absolutely terrific and particularly relevant to marketers and their future employment and the, the nature of how long they'll be in marketing was chapter two, where which is about deliver returns no matter what. And the central question you pose for marketers to ask themselves is, am I cost or revenue? Explain what you mean there and why that is such an important question they should be asking themselves. So the answer to your question is very simple. What is on the mind of the typical CEO next door? right? The average CEO, Wall Street or company leader or general manager. Typically, it's cost, which then, you know, generate profit, or it's organization and strategy. So these things. If you as a marketer are not seen as revenue, what are you then? A cost that can be cut. And have to be cut. Because if you are smart as a company leader, you try to reduce cost. So you have no choice as a marketer than be seen as revenue. Now, there was just this new research just came out last week, and um, this was done in the UK. And again, there over half of all marketers, even the marketers believe they are not seen as revenue, they're seen as a cost. That is just wrong. It's like you have a product and everybody thinks it's not working, right? I mean, you gotta, you gotta act. You can't just, you know, leave it like this because you know it's working. So you have to talk revenue. So we talked about the language thing earlier, right? Don't read, don't talk jargon, programmatic and millennials and all that stuff. You can do this at home. But when you're in the C-suite, talk revenue, talk profit, talk customers. But also show how your work works. Now, that's an interesting one. A lot of markets are really afraid to really open all the books, right? Because yeah, we can't measure everything and sometimes we don't know what well, everybody knows that. But the smart marketers are working with the finance guys to, to agree how marketing works, to show which things work, which things haven't worked, but also what you can't measure. We got to build way more trust by being open with other people of how our work works. And if we do this, if we create that trust and if we talk revenue, the chances are you will be seen as revenue. I tell you what, in almost every single company, if you are seen as revenue, all the eyes will be on you. It's great advice. And I think also that people say, well, we can't really measure it, to which I would say, well, start. <laughs> start trying. Just get the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Just start asking those questions. And I think that in a very short amount of time, they'll start to be surprised. So mm -hmm. the second part of the book, I saw that was as the part with really has an impact on your leadership. And that's about getting buy-in from your colleagues. And as you said, it is people that, that don't work for you necessarily. And I think this is particularly important as it comes to trying to manage the customer experience for business. In fact, you say, the day when marketers have all the say in a company will never arrive, 
<laughs> that was great. So if you're waiting for that, it's not coming, okay? You're never going to have all the say. But you talk about the importance of storytelling, and you, you quoted Ford's former CMO, Jim Farley, who said, storytelling is your most important skill as a marketing leader. Please explain. Yeah, so it's true, right? All those people in the different departments, right? They can say no. If you walk in there and say, we have this great new product, we have this great new service, and here's what we're going to do. And all it requires is that you change a little bit the way you work, right? So we can make this a big success. I mean, as you leave the room, a lot of your colleagues will simply hope that a piano will fall on your head, right? Because why would they care, right? Why would they care about your agenda? So you can't really prove anything to your colleagues if they're not listening, but you can indeed tell them a story, a story that gets under their skin, a story that captures their heart. And everybody in the company loves hope, right? People love a great future. People love someone who can, who can say, hey, here's a great direction. Here's where we can go. Let's become a category leader, right? Let's beat everybody in that market or let's be the most desired brand for all these customers, for all your neighbors. What if all your neighbors would say, you know, we want that product or we want that service? We need stories like this, consistent stories to capture people's attention. And if you are able to build that hope, right, to have a compelling story that gives hope to your colleagues, the chances are so much higher that people will be interested or that people actually would love to follow your advice or at least listen to you. And in a nod to your co-author, you included the quote from Napoleon who said, a leader is a dealer in hope. So right. let's move on. And, and you talk about the significant skill gaps that marketers should address and that interestingly, digital skills are not at the top of the list. Which ones are at the top of the list? Yeah, so this is a tricky one. Every time we say digital skills aren't on the top of the list and people start you know, banging their heads against the other one saying, oh, it's all wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> so, here, so here's what we measured, right? We just looked at the skills that have the biggest impact on company performance. Today, this is 2016, right? Today. 2017. Oh, sorry. Of course, you're right. We moved on. It's 2017. Goodness, I need I, to move. I realize there is a time difference between. I got. <laughs> you're right. Well, though I get up earlier. So 2017, it is pricing. It is not brand building. It's pricing. It's not digital. It's tactical pricing. It's promotion. It's these things. It's pretty hard nosed things, and digital skills. Of course, they're future. They're important for the future. Everybody. I mean, I totally agree. When it comes to actual company performance in 2017, they are not yet that important. Yet, most marketers find it really hard to engage in pricing, which is a massive driver of success. While everybody scrambles to get digital, right? Which is understandable because it's new, we got to learn it. And then there's all the stuff in the middle. Marketers have always been great at communication and branding and these things. But, you know, they're kind of in the middle field when it comes to success. So there is a skills imbalance. And I think what's important that you as a marketer do the following thing. you got to step back and say, hang on, if I were to buy this company, what are the one or two things my marketing has to get right? Do we need to get better at pricing? Do we need to get faster to customers? Do we need to have 
more stores? Do we need to have more products? What is it that would make the biggest difference to our performance? Every marketing leader needs to ask themselves that question and then step back and say, do I have the right people to get this job done? So if somebody were to say, okay, well, I've never had to deal with pricing, where could a marketer go to start to get a better handle on pricing? What should they be doing? Yeah, so pricing is a great example because it's one of those like really frightening things for a lot of marketers. Um, very practically, if you've never been involved in pricing and you believe it is a big deal if you were to get involved, start by tracking pricing. Start by doing reports on what's going on. Start light. Yeah? You don't have to take over the world immediately. Start to understand what's going on. You can do pricing reports. You can look at, you can even get a company in to measure your prices. And once you know enough, in the second step, you can start to get involved and perhaps put out a perspective and say, hey, whoever is currently in charge of pricing, what if we did this or have you seen that? So you get closer. And there is a third point when, you know, once you get more engaged, there can be a point when you start to actually really get involved in pricing, i.e., for example, doing some of it or starting to learn it. So my answer here is do it gradually. Yeah, Don't jump from zero to 100, but get involved. So just start looking at the pricing, studying what your prices are, what your competitors' prices are. Just start to ask pricing questions. Yeah. Great. So you also mentioned that as a marketing leader, you're in the inspiration business. Can you unpack that a bit? Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, it comes to, to the point that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. There is so many people that can simply reject everything you're saying. Yeah, your boss can say no. The colleagues can say no. The, your teams can say no nowadays. I mean, it's no longer command control. Everybody can say no. But you have a chance to inspire people. And I'm sure you had that situation when you talk with someone and you felt hey this person is burning for an idea and that is how inspiration roughly works it's actually really simple you got to be inspired first and that's it i mean you don't have to have you know the genes of you know mahatma gandhi or you know the on-screen presence of some hollywood stars it's not that it is that you need to be uh, passionate you need to believe in an idea and for some people it's I love working with teams. For other people, it's I love this brand. For other people, it's I love pricing for that matter. For other people, it's just, you know, I love interacting with people. Other people believe in the industry. Whatever that is, you got to figure this out. And I, trust me, once you have something you believe in, that's some, some reason that you go to work, people will see it in your eyes. And once you know what it is, you got to double up on it. Because, yes, you are in the inspiration business. 2017, matrix organizations, no more command and control. The people who inspire are the ones who win. Well said. For marketers that are taking on a new job, explain why they should spend time outside the marketing department rather than going there first and putting their head down and staying there. So I'm sure some people who just heard what you said will now, will now shake their head and think, what, what funny advice is that? So here's the thing. This is a, one of those, those fascinating research insights when the data were really confusing everybody, including us, and then we started to make sense. Knowing customers, so knowledge, right? Knowledge about customers is quite important if you want to be successful in the market. Every marketer will agree. Now, surprisingly, knowing your company's products is a really big deal, a really big driver of career success. 
it much more than customer understanding. Yeah, I was very surprised by that too. Yeah. So basically, you get away internally if you don't know customers, but you know the products, which is kind of like you could argue how good that is, but that's the reality. But if you think about it, you know, you are, say, you're a marketer in a bank and you say, I had enough of banking, I'm going to move to pharmaceuticals. Right, and you come in there and say, "Yes, I know marketing, I know branding, da 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 da." But and you got to now. There will be a lot of people who say, "You don't know our business, do you?" Right? You don't know how the products have been made. I mean, you're just talking about the stuff about your research and segmentations, and that is the thing. You're gonna have some, you know, street knowledge, right? You gotta get your hands dirty. And you got to understand how the company operates, how they're making the products, how difficult it is. And the best way to understand this is by actually joining marketing four weeks later and starting, say, in, in sales or in production and just do a tour. And I tell you, every marketer who's ever done this would say, I would never, ever want to miss this because I learned so much. I have friends and I can really speak the language. And I tell you what, no company in the world has ever been cl shut down because a marketer started four weeks later. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to hurt feelings here, but it's true. And it works. I, when you recommended this, I saw it on so many levels because, A, you're, you're meeting these other people in the other departments. You're building connections. Yeah. And you, it seems like it's a much better opportunity to get deeper insights into your customers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun. I mean, I have to say, all people said, you know, this was so great, right? Because it was so, I could see a you know, 360 degree view. And when they started marketing, they have a, so much clarity. So I, it's a really nice thing. So if you can negotiate this, I really recommend it. Yeah. So one other question towards the end of the book I wanted to ask you about, and can you explain the concept that marketers are Eros in a Logos world? <laughs> Yes. So how how do how do the Greek gods come into play now? So um, this study, right, this large research I did with people at INSEAD Business Schools, and they are psychoanalysts. And we also put into the big model, the model that helped us find out how marketers operate and how successful they are, personality. Now, personality per se wasn't so important for success, which is actually quite good news because it means you can learn all the stuff and. That's why in the 12 powers of the marketing of a marketing leader, we just give a lot of practical tips that you can basically learn. But there is still a personality difference when it comes to marketers and to all these other leaders. And when we looked at what those differences are, we found that marketers are more open, more connected. They are seeing the big picture. They feel brands. They sometimes you know, feel a market. They care a lot about what other people think. They, um, they are okay if things are a little bit fuzzy sometimes because they kind of feel the right way through it. Uh, they can appreciate art. They can appreciate uh, a product uh, launch. They love seeing their things on shelf and so on. And um, what they're not, what markets are not so much is pure rational, power players, you know, facts only, yeah? And um, now that's, and the psychoanalysts looked at those numbers and said, you know, it reminds us of the, uh, the Eros and Logos power. So Eros, as some of you may know, was the Greek god that was uh, flying around and they, uh, he could, you know, shoot an arrow at someone. And once he hit that person, that person was falling in love with someone else, right? It's a quite, it's a, it's a very amazing skill. 
Now, even Eros in the <laughs> uh, Olymp, in the Greek Olymp, wasn't seen as one of the big players because <laughs> he had these odd skills, right? The other, the other gods, and that's what sometimes people describe as logos, the more rational people, and we, we call them, I think we call them finance people in our world. But <laughs> Old, it's not they're, true. they're like the oldest children, yeah. <laughs> yes, but by the way, it's not true for all finance people. But but there are people who are way more rational than you are, who are you know, tougher, who are very happy to do power play, who don't care about all those connections, who are very happy to hurt someone. So in a way, right, you are an eros personality in a logos world, in a very emotional, open person in a very rational world. And that can make you feel lonely. So and what we are recommending marketers A is be aware, B, leverage it. Because you know, you have Eros powers, that's cool. But C, you gotta translate. Because there are a lot of people who just don't get you. And you gotta learn, right, to talk to those people rather than imitating them. You will never be perhaps as great in finance as some of your peers. That's okay, as long as you explain it, but find a way to talk to people. So that's the Eros and Logos thing. And I think we should be proud that marketers are Eros. Yes, it was a very interesting explanation. And I just really thought you, it was perfect. And I could see that I was more on the Eros side. And, you know, it, it was, it was, <laughs> I had never seen that before. So, <laughs> well, Thomas, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Leading marketing is very different from doing marketing, and every marketer needs to have leadership skills. They're, in fact, more important than your functional skills. So we got to start getting into leadership. Very well said. What books have inspired your work and career? For me, it was a very, very basic book. Uh, it's almost embarrassingly basic. It's um, The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Leader, which I read when I was 25, and it asked me to, for the first time, what do you want people to say at your funeral? And it was, that was the first time I really thought about what matters. And ever since, I keep asking myself what matters. Well, there's a reason why that book was so popular. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And it's not the first time that book has been mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. So are there any uh, recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Yeah, so there's two books. I'm still um, reading. The first one is uh, I'm reading Simply Better. Simply Better um, is a book that has been written by Paddy Barber as my co-author, which I hadn't really read before. But it's one of those marketing books that is a complete no-nonsense view on what matters in marketing. I absolutely love it. And then I've started reading A Made to Stick by uh, Chip Heath and Dan, Dan Heath. Uh, why some ideas survive and others die. I find it fascinating to look at what makes an idea stick. Yes, that's a terrific book. And those brothers, all they do is produce really great books. <laughs> yes. So how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? So, I mean, the best way to learn about it is get a copy of The 12 Powers of the market, of a Marketing Leader. It's perhaps the only marketing leadership book you'll find. Um, but if you want to take uh, if you want to taste it a bit what you can do is go to marketingleader.org marketingleader.org or thomasbyler.com it's the same and there's a link to test and you can test your marketing leadership profile it might be interesting and perhaps give you some ideas on how to move forward yes the self-assessment i mentioned that at the very beginning of the book so it's marketingleader.org and we'll make sure to include links to this and all the other things that we can link to at marketingbookpodcast.com Com. The name of the book is The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader, How to Succeed by Building Customer and Company Value. The authors are Thomas Barda and Patrick Barwise. Thomas, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Douglas. 
And that closes the book on episode 110 of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. Let's meet in person. If you're in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, I'll be speaking to the Triangle Marketing Club on February 28th about the seven concepts from 100 marketing and sales books every marketer needs to know. Want me to come speak to your group? All I need is a bus ticket, a bar tab, and a hotel room. To contact me, just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave a message or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Or send me a tweet at my Twitter handle, marketingbook. I look forward to hearing from you. And please join us next time as we welcome Jamie Shanks to the show to talk about his new book, Social Selling Mastery, Scaling Up Your Sales and Marketing Machine for the Digital Buyer. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Podcast.